tuning in to Business Brass Tax. I'm your host, Alyssa Adams. Let's get to it. Welcome back. We're hitting it off with episode six, which is happiness in the workplace. Now, this may strike a chord with you instantly, especially when I ask you these questions. Here it goes. Are you lacking the luster you once had for your position? Remember when you were amped up because you just felt so inspired? And then... Maybe the honeymoon stage has worn off a wee bit. And honestly, I truly believe we've all been there with those roller coaster moments because it's true that there's that big burst of energy when you first onboard and everything's peaches and cream. But then reality sinks in. And I will tell you, more than likely within the first three to six months, that's when it actually takes place. A lot of people even have the theory of the 90 day grace period, right? So it's that 90 days in the very beginning. Where you're like, oh man, this is the best, everything's great, I love it, you're sipping the Kool-Aid, and then a little bit of reality splashes in, and then a little bit more. So we're going to talk about happiness in the workplace because it is slightly a roller coaster unless managed appropriately. And that's both from an associate and from an employer standpoint. No matter what workforce you're in, there's three types of associates. Slightly categorized, yes, but there are three types, and everyone fits into one of these boxes, more or less. Number one's going to be the engaged employee. That's when there's that mutual commitment between both the employee and the company or organization that they work for or that they're hired within. And these are often recognized as the ones that truly thrive, the ones that are always hitting expectations, exceeding them, always on the top of the list. The examples are always made out of their work. They're always there. They have the answers. They're always motivated. They're happy, positive, and really giving it their all, more or less 110% all the time. They're the go-to person. That's the engaged employee. The disengaged employee is just kind of along for the ride. They're going through the motions, the day-to-day, not really doing anything extra. It's pretty much bare minimum. They're kind of floaty. Maybe they're not even really there. You know, disengaged really means that you're not engaged in what the heck's happening. You're just existing. You're taking up space, more or less. And maybe, yeah, you do your little bit here and there, but you're not really invested. And then you have the non-engaged. Dun-dun-dun. And this is the hard-to-motivate associate. They typically do less than the bare minimum, and I like to call them the wheelbarrow, which means they're only useful when pushed, although pushing them is still quite the feat and doesn't typically go very well with people, and they may even be insubordinate, but they're those just really rough around the edges and not a diamond in the rough, if you know what I mean. So I'm sure you can imagine that the happiness level in each of these categories, all varies. They're all three very different types of associates. And ironically enough, I truly believe that you can save an associate. And that doesn't matter if you're engaged, disengaged, non-engaged, fully engaged. But I will tell you, it's a really hard battle to come back from and takes true support and transparency to get back to that sweet spot that you adore if you're already out the door. Now, with that being said, there are three factors that play a distinct role in the engaged associate, right? So we're going to go over those real quick. Number one is your immediate boss cares for you as, as a person, right? And they treat you as such. So you're not just 
there to do reports and fill them out and make their life easier, they actually truly care about you. You're a true person. You're a human. And they treat you that way. Number two is that your core values and culture are matched up on par with that company. So if you've got a wish list and you've got those non-negotiables and that company's not willing to meet you or you don't foresee it or morally it's not ethical in what they're doing, maybe not the best situation. Number three, you've got to have that work-life balance, right? Boundaries and concise for all parties and, of course, respected by all. So if not everyone's on the same page, you're not going to come to the same end goal line. And the biggest aha moment is when an organization or company can truly engage the employee as a person and not just an employee, right? We're not a number. And most of the time, and I mean, we all can relate to this, you're at work more than you are with your family. So you've got to be truly bought into what you're doing and what the full mission statement is. And if you don't know that with your company, you're probably not fully engaged because there's a mission statements, goals, core values, and everything with every single association. And truly understand what you're working for, who you're working with, and what their end goal is as well. In speaking with a lot of my colleagues and reading a variety of articles, the gears have definitely shifted and appears that like the ultimate goal from companies or upper management now is this double whammy theory. And when I say double whammy, this one's going to hit home. And that's the do more and push harder. This Now, just really let this sink in. Allow it to truly sink in, those two thoughts. Do more and push harder. This is a phrase that has the ability to dim any light or take the wind out of anybody's sail. And it's a surefire way to suck happiness right out of your work environment especially given our current workforce. We are sincerely in an overwhelming decade where times have changed. And when I say do more, that's the first piece of the double whammy, do more is exactly that, more, more, more. And an example to relate to this, whether you're salary or hourly, if you're a salaried employee, you're typically working 50 to 70 hours per week, and there's this weird unwritten rule that you must do so because you're salary. And can you think of a time when your superior came up to you and asked you or reminded you, hey, work-life balance? Or is it just that constant greed and that what you'll give and without appreciation behind it? Now, don't get me wrong. There are those workhorses out there I fully understand, but it takes a direct supervisor to realize the work ethic on each employee and how to carve out a path of growth and expectation. So there isn't this constant daunt of do more. How about if you're an hourly employee? Switch gears a little bit. And you've been asked to work overtime or possibly switch shifts or coming on your scheduled day off. I feel like that's sometimes a fear of somebody's when you see someone from your work arena call or text you on your day off. You're like, oh man, what is it? What's going to happen? And yes, I completely understand there are several people who would love having that extra moolah, or maybe they're just those people pleasers in your company that are the yeses. They always say yes, they're always willing to do more, whether it hurts them in the long run. But it's that situation when you stop and think if it's necessary to ask these things from your associate, your coworker, or whoever. 
The second part to do more push harder is the push harder. Of course, this sounds self-explanatory, right? But for good measure, I do have some examples for you. Now, think about a time when you've rocked out this just epic, amazing goal, but then there's this weird nagging vibe to keep pushing. And why? Well, because you can do better now. That's the thought process. Now that you've reached this certain threshold, it's a content it's a constant push. A little more. Since the last goal is attainable, setting a new goal and achieving it can truly be a thankless job. Now let's look at those two ingredients and mash them into this big ball. These ingredients mixed together can be utterly toxic and can lead to burnout. We all know that. We've all been there. Even worse, a turnover with your associates. It speaks volumes with an organization or a company if there is a high turnover and especially a high turnover in a short time frame. Which brings me to the most important fact that I've heard discussed and have been an active participant in the conversation. And that's that tangible emotional piece. Can you honestly answer, and truly think about this, can you honestly answer that you feel 110% valued from your company, your leader, your team, or whoever else is built within your company or organization? Do you feel respected from those that surround you? And I honestly, me out of all people, just total sidebar, is respect is such a key piece, especially with communication, building relationships, understanding, and having that transparency that everyone thrives off of. Everyone wants clarity, concise, driven goals. Because if you don't have those smart goals, you're not able to attain them because it's an elusive thing. It's a gray area. You know, and with that being said, it's crazy to me when I think about how little people have to do to translate in a positive manner. Honestly, gratitude truly breeds an environment that is warm, welcoming, and contagious. And realistically, a super small thank you can go such a long way, and it resonates with your associates and team members. You know, that whole piece of actually thanking someone for something they did, why is that such a foreign thought? No idea. But you should really think about that. And you don't have to be a supervisor to thank your associate. You can be a team member. You can thank your boss. I mean, most of the time, bosses don't get thanked. They're just beaten on, right? But I feel like in the workforce as a whole, everybody has those moments when they're just worn out and just need that little bit of push. And those little tiny thank yous do go a long way and people remember them and it kickstarts them. It gives them a little positive boost. And for me, and I say this all the time, is treat your team as they make a difference and they will. So if you're constantly putting your team into a box or an associate into a box or you don't seem grateful or you're never there for them and you don't support them, They're going to do the same, and negativity, much like positivity, breeds the same way, and you don't need those cancers in your team. For me, I fully believe in engaging, empowering, and mentoring as the critical pieces in developing successful team members, and paving a path with focus, providing support, and allowing the employee to truly grow 
it all comes in this full circle and it's magical, this recipe that it can truly bring on. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think that burnout can be avoided? With this crazy world, it's inevitable that burnout can and will happen, even to the best of us, even with all of our trying tasks. But one awesome way to avoid having burnout is creating true delegations and understandings of every single person's role. For example, one of the smallest things that can happen but really makes a big impact is if someone's on vacation, allow that person to truly have that time to fully disconnect. The best part about it is that it allows you and your associates to have a full recharge. And as a team, you all benefit from that heightened focus and the rejuvenated spirit upon a return from a vacation. And we've all had those times away and you come back and you're like, all right, and you're super amped up. You're ready to go. You're ready to take on the day. But one great way to do this And it's super easy, and I'm all about my calendars, my spreadsheets, my color-coded checklists, all that fun stuff. But an easy way to do it is a shared calendar. We all know who's on our team. If we put that calendar invite in for everyone and you know that this person's on vacation from Tuesday to Friday, it's only a few days, you can allow them that time to truly disconnect and enjoy that well-earned vacation time. And that holds true for everyone, no matter who's on vacation. Or if it's your day off, don't call that person on their day off. Is it really necessary? And I know there's a lot of times when people leave daunting tasks or don't finish things and you're like, oh man, this is the worst. But it's not worth it. Just let them be on their day off and they should let you be on your day off as well. A few other facts in assisting to happiness would be effective communication. And truly, truly... Communication breeds happiness everywhere. And this can be done in several fronts. Now, please take a moment to have a dialed-in plan of action for all your employees with a true purpose. I'm going to emphasize that. Purpose. (laughs) This directly has an effect on job satisfaction, engagement. And if you're able to create a support system with clear communication goes a long way. Key factor. This is totally key. Really listen to me. If you haven't listened to me yet, listen to this part. (laughs) Now, the key factor, if your employee ever, ever feels as though they're on an island with no life raft, you are failing them. These are future leaders who need your layered support to truly evolve. I encourage you to take a look at yourself. How can you evaluate your environment, your team's environment, or your daily experience? If you're struggling in your workplace environment, please don't harbor the negativity. Go to the source and have that candid conversation. You'll thank me later. And I'll leave you with this quote. Happiness inspires productivity. It's been great discussing workplace happiness with you. Can't wait until episode seven. Thank you all for the support. Please share and follow.